verses together with you. If you've been with us over the, the journey of the last number of weeks, we've, we've been just kind of stuck in John 15, and I think it's, a, it's an awesome place to be stuck uh, as God continues to work in my heart. And in, in the lessons that Jesus keeps teaching me when he says that he is the vine, he's the true vine, that his father is the vine dresser and that we are the branches and just to simply abide in him. And I mentioned that while we've looked at things throughout the last couple of weeks, last week I mentioned to you that there's two questions that we really hadn't yet answered. And the first was, what does it actually mean to abide? And, and Trinity and I kind of talked through that last week, and I really enjoyed um, getting to do that. And I'm so thankful the Lord worked in both of our hearts uh, to be able to, to work that together. But we also are going to look at the second question, something today, and it's like, what is the fruit that Jesus talks about in John chapter number 15? Because what we're going to do when we read these first five verses of John 15 together, uh, we're going to look and, and see how often Jesus talks about fruit. But then the question that we want to try to answer today is, what is the fruit that Jesus desires? So if you would, join me in John chapter number 15, and we're going to look at, at verse number one together. John 15, and oops, I guess I need to turn there. John 15 verse one says this, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so we see the, the, the very true fact that Jesus desires us to bear much fruit. But the question is, what fruit? Because if we go back to Isaiah chapter 5, if you remember when we were looking at why Jesus calls himself the true vine, we have the failed vine of Israel, and, it, and it's described in Isaiah chapter 5. But here's the thing. Even the failed vine of Israel had fruit. When the, when the gardener went out to check the, the grapevines, it had wild grapes, useless fruit. So it, the difference between Jesus as the true vine and Israel as the failed vine was not the presence of fruit, but it was the type of fruit that was actually present. And so what is the fruit that Jesus desires to be on the branches of his vine? And what I'm going to ask you to do is join me in Matthew chapter number 7. Because in Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to refer to fruit. And he's going to teach a very specific lesson as he talks about fruit in Matthew 7. He's going to talk about how the fruit displays both the nature and the health of the tree or, or of the vine. So the fruit that's hanging is fruit that is going to tell us something about the type of tree, the nature of the tree, and also the health of the tree. So Matthew chapter number seven, uh, here's, what, here's what Jesus says, and I'm sorry, I need to, need to find it for myself. Matthew chapter number seven and verse number 15, here's what we find. Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Sorry, let me give you those verses as well. <laughs> Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. So, so let me stop right there. So Jesus even says this, by the very fruit, you'll be able to tell whether a teacher of the word of God is a false teacher or is a 
true teacher. The fruit is the proof. And then he goes on and, and he continues to say this. Are, he asks this question, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, that's going to sound so elementary to us, right? A thorn bush. Can a thorn bush produce a grape? No. But the question is, why? Is it because a thorn bush has a specific nature and a thorn bush can produce fruit. But what is the fruit of a thorn bush? Thorns. Why do you never find grapes hanging from thorn bushes? Because thorn bushes simply cannot produce grapes. It's not a part of their nature. So whenever we see a grape, what we know is that grape came from a tree or a vine that has the nature that would produce a grape. And the same thing for thistles and figs. A thistle tree can produce fruit, but it's thistles. Only a fig tree, the nature of a fig tree, can produce figs. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying the fruit of the tree, as I look at the fruit of the tree, it proves the nature or the type of tree that it is. I read a, I read a very funny illustration uh, recently. These, these two boys, uh, two brothers, they, whenever they would get in trouble, they'd be sent to their room by their parents. But um, as they got a little bit older, they realized that there was a tree right outside their window. And so they were able to um, open up the window, climb down the tree and be, be able to play as much as they wanted to. And when they kind of figured, eh, mom, dad, probably I think we've been grounded long enough, they'd climb back up the tree and uh, call down to mom and say, mom, we're sorry, we're done. And of course, this whole time they've been playing. Well, they, they happened to overhear that their mom and dad were going to cut down that tree because it was a dead tree, wasn't producing any fruit. And they realized, ah, our escape is gone. And so they, these boys on their own, they, they climbed down the tree. They ran out to the, the, the local supermarket and gathered as many apples as they could. And they took some black thread and just, just tied that thread all over uh, the tree with apples hanging from it. And they were, they were so excited so that their dad would be able to see it and wouldn't cut down the tree because it was producing fruit. So the next day, sure enough, the dad walks out and he goes, honey, honey, come here. You got to look at this tree. And he said, look at this, this tree. It's, it actually has apples on it. And the mom looked at him and, and kind of smiled and said, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, it's, it's actually a pear tree. <laughs> so, so these boys did all this work in trying to tie apples onto a pear tree, which of course isn't going to fool anybody. But Jesus is teaching us that the the fruit that hangs from our tree proves the, the nature of the tree. But he goes on in verse number 17 to say this. He also says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And so Jesus very simply said, If you see diseased fruit hanging from a tree, I'll tell you what, the tree is sick. If you see healthy fruit hanging from the tree, it's, it's going to be a healthy tree. You, you won't find healthy fruit hanging from a sick tree. And so Jesus says, not only does the fruit tell me the type or the nature of the tree, it also tells me the health of the tree, right? So if we take that thinking and that understanding from Matthew 7 and we run it back to John 15, where Jesus says, bear much fruit, and we, we might be led to think this, well, well, the fruit on my branches needs to be the fruit of, of salvation that, that proves that, that I am part of the nature of Christ and that I have this healthy relationship with Christ. And, and it would even make sense that there might even be fruit hanging from my branches of other people's salvation that I help lead to the Lord. You know, like I'm, I'm producing fruit. I have fruit to show. But I want to push on that just a little bit 
because I, I read uh, a really awesome um, portion of a book that, uh, that a pastor wrote specifically on John 15 that really helped my understanding of the type of fruit Jesus is talking about in John 15. And he, he started off by saying that he would regularly go to pastors and spiritual leadership conferences and, and the conversations would always be the same. They'd be like, how many people attend your church? And uh, how many soul, souls have been saved and baptized? And uh, how many people are going out mobilized for the effort? And, and how much is being given to, to send more people out? And he said, I know that what the pastors were doing was they were simply measuring fruit. And he said, if John 15 fruit is, is the fruit of salvation, it makes great sense because what should be happening is there should be lots of fruit hanging on our tree if we're really abiding in Christ. And wouldn't that fruit, if it's from salvation, wouldn't it result in, in people being at the church and, and people being saved and baptized and, and all kinds of things taking place? And, and he said, yeah, what was happening in my heart is that every time those questions were being asked, we talked about fruit, he said it, it was actually bringing discouragement to me. It was bringing dis disappointment to me as if, well, is God not wanting me to bear fruit? Am I not abiding enough in, in Christ for, to measure up to what these guys are producing in, in fruit? And he, he said he was struck with the realization one day as he was praying that, that he had put more of a focus on attaining fruit, going out and doing what he could to find fruit, than he was on simply abiding in the vine. I mean, he talked about his time of confession and, and how he realized, God, I, I know what I've been doing. I've been going to collect branches from the vineyard and I'm, I'm bringing them back to the, to the church and I'm counting the number of branches and then I'm sending out the branches to go, to go find more branches so that we can have as many branches in the church as possible because, well, that's gonna prove that, that I'm doing what I should do. And man, he said what struck him was that he had turned from bearing fruit to collecting branches. And man, when he said that, it really struck a chord in, in my own heart, in my own life as a, as a pastor, because so often it's very easy to, to measure your worth of a, as a pastor, or as a spiritual leader, and whether it's even as, as someone in the, in the home or a leader within the church, is, is look at how much, how many branches there are. He went on to say that he began to realize that the fruit of John 15 is not the fruit of salvation. He said, think about what happens at salvation. Jesus doesn't need a branch to be present for salvation to occur. He doesn't need fruit to hang off a branch. Jesus does all the work. And the fruit of salvation, the work of the result of salvation is simply a new branch being formed in the vine. Because what salvation really is, is it's the presence of Jesus going and he does all of that work the branch doesn't do any of that work and so he said i, I began to realize that the the fruit hanging from the branches of, of john 15 was not the fruit of salvation but rather it was fruit from salvation he said the fruit of salvation is simply the presence of a new branch that abides in the vine and I was like, oh man, that was, that was so really, really good uh, for, for me to hear. And he, he went on, he said, so the questions that we need to be asking is not how many branches or how many are attending the church or how many this, but whether or not our, how, whether or not our branches are abiding in Christ, whether our branches are bearing the fruit that Jesus desires, whether our branches are 
are truly having Christ formed in us. And I loved that. But that still doesn't answer the question, what fruit then is Jesus talking about in John chapter number 15? And so I want to take you to a passage of scripture that I mentioned right at the end of our message last week when I was with Trinity and I suggested, hey, maybe you might want to read these two verses together. It's from 2 Peter chapter number one. And so in 2 Peter chapter number one, although these are some deep verses, I'm just going to kind of walk you through a little bit, just, just talk you through these two verses because there's one simple truth that I really want to look at. So 2 Peter chapter number one, verses number three and four, and here's, here's what they say. They say, his divine power. Now that means the Godhead. So that's, that's who God is. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So that's everything we need to live a godly life. God has granted or given to us through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Now that's the Bible. It's through the Bible, through the knowledge. Remember last week we talked about the revelation. Uh, the Bible's a revelation of who God is, his glory and his goodness. So it's through the Bible we receive everything we need for a godly life. Verse four, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. I mean, promises like that enemies can be made sons that will never be separated from his love. Promises like the, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And he said, through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Stop right there. That's the truth we're trying to get to. A partaker, or you and I as human beings get to take part in the very nature of God. How do we do that? How do we get the very nature of God into us through abiding? If you joined us last week, you remember that we found the essence of abiding in Christ is allowing us to abide in him and his words to abide in us. As his words, the revelation of who he is, the revelation of what he has done, as it abides in us, it begins to change us. And so it's through the abiding in the vine, it's through the remaining in the word of God, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we begin to have our very nature changed. We become partakers of the divine nature. The nature of the vine is moving into the branches and become, the branches are becoming the same nature as the, as the vine, which then means the fruit that hangs off of the branches. If we were to open it up, it would be the same nature as what's in the vine. So the vine changes the nature of the branch. The branch produces fruit, which is simply the same nature of the vine, which means the fruit of our branches has the same nature as Christ. And if that's true, then the fruit of John 15 is the nature of Christ on display through our lives. Right, so Jesus said, my words in you, my love in you, my joy in you. And Jesus desires for his nature as the vine to become the nature of the branches as we abide in him. And as we abide in him, we continue to abide until fruit is born in our life. We bear it. We don't produce it. We bear it. And it's the divine nature of Jesus on display. And again, so the 
fruit of John 15, it appears that it's not the fruit of salvation, but rather the fruit from salvation, fruit that comes because Jesus is at work in us, changing our nature into his. I don't know who to credit with this quote, but it's an, it's, it fits so perfectly. The key to the Christian life is Christ's life in the Christian, right? The key to the Christian life is Christ's life in the Christian, which then makes great sense when we think of the very purpose of our lives. Why were we created? To bring glory to God. It's why Jesus came to this earth, to bring glory to God, to fulfill the will of his Father. And it fits so perfectly into what Jesus actually says in John 15, verse number eight. Look at it. He says this, by this, my father is glorified. That's what we want. The father be glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In bearing fruit, we, we get to glorify the father as people see fruit on our branches. The father is glorified and it, then it begins to prove the health and the nature of the branch. Yes, Christians, we already know the health and nature of Jesus is perfect. So when there's not fruit on our branch like there should be, it's really showing the health and the nature of the, the branch. And, and so this is where Galatians chapter 5, where Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, where it becomes so crucial in our lives because we actually get to see the very fruit of God that should be on display in our lives as we bear fruit as branches abiding in the vine. Look at Galatians chapter 5 where we see the, the very fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Like, did you get the first two virtues of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. Does that sound familiar from John 15? Abide in my love, that my joy may be in you. Ah, see, Jesus is already giving us his divine nature from the vine to change us as branches. And so as branches, the fruit that we're then bearing, the fruit that we're then producing is the very nature of Jesus. Oh, I love that. When, when we read Galatians 5, I, I think it's very interesting, and I'm not telling you anything that most of you haven't heard plenty of times before, but it doesn't say the fruits, plural, but the fruits, singular, the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what Matt Chandler said about that. I love how Matt Chandler spoken to this. He says this, the single use of the word fruit is intentional because they're all intertwined with one another. So, so think of a fruit, think of even, even orange and having different slices within that orange that you could just peel apart. And this is what he says. They're all intertwined with one another. If you don't have love, you most likely will struggle to have joy. If you don't have joy, you'll most likely struggle with patience. And if you don't have patience, you're going to have a hard time having peace. Without peace, you may not be kind and good, which means you may struggle with being gentle, which could lead to a loss of self-control, and that certainly does not display faithfulness. Like, 
like, wow, like the fruit of the Spirit is all intertwined and it's all, if we were to open up the fruit of the Spirit, it's all the divine nature of who Jesus is. And that's what he wants us to bear on our branches as we abide in him. And he begins to change our divine nature, as Second Peter talks about, so that we can then bear the fruit that puts Jesus on display in our lives. Now, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but after reading that list, I could, could feel a bit like, Ugh, there's a lot on that list I really struggle with. How do I get that fruit? How does the fruit of the Spirit, how does it, how does it become a part of me? Because, I mean, we all really do want to bring glory to God, which is what happens when we bear much fruit. I would think as Christians, we want the divine nature of Christ to be a part of us, right? We, we truly would love to be, to be known as his disciples. So what do I do? And this is cool. And we're almost done, but Jesus has the answer. And here's what it is. First, we just abide. We just continue to abide. Verse 4 of John 15 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. It's all about continuing to abide in Jesus and allowing more of his nature and more of his nature to flow from the vine into the branches. J.D. Greer had this statement. He said, Abiding in Jesus will produce all the fruit of the Spirit in you, but not because you're concentrating specifically on any of them, meaning on any of the fruit, you're concentrating instead on Jesus. I was like, yes, I, I love that because I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to, to, to convince myself that spiritual fruit is something that I can achieve. But Jesus says, no, it's, it's something you receive. So many Christians' lives, including mine, and I'll put myself at the top of the list, so many Christians' lives, we, we, it's easy to view our spiritual activity. We're really busy doing things for God. Our spiritual activity is spiritual fruit. One pastor said, you know, spiritual activity can deceive you, but spiritual fruit never lies. Okay, so, and how do I know if, if I'm producing spiritual fruit? And he said this, easy. Just ask your family. Ouch. See, it's easy to come to church and, and act like we are producing fruit, like we have it all together. It's easy to convince others with the activity that we, 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 ha we do for the Lord that we're producing spiritual fruit. But really think about it. If we're abiding in Christ, then wouldn't the people we abide with the most in a home be able to see that fruit on display. But man, that was, that was tough because they also see us, well, for who we really are. They see us in those tough situations. My kids have, have seen me fail as a father time and time again, no matter how many times I step onto a platform and, and, uh, and pick up a Bible and stand behind a pulpit and, and try to do my best to, to share and to lead Jesus with others. My kids, they, I'm not fooling them. But, but here's a, a really great thought. And again, I don't know who to credit this with. It's something I just wrote down. Somebody said it. When you're discouraged about whether or not you're truly abiding in Christ, remember this. Abiding in Christ allows you to know him so well that you know he loves you and accepts you regardless of the fruit you produce. 
which then provides the power to become fruitful. <laughs> Man, I, as I abide in Christ, I know that when, when I look out on my branches and don't see the fruit that I would desire to see it, I become disappointed. But abiding in Christ reminds me he loves me so much. He doesn't love me based on how much fruit I am or am not producing. And at that moment, I realize his love for me, which then gives me the desire to become fruitful. So cool. So first, if you're not producing the fruit you desire, you abide. But secondly, you ask. Well, let's go back to verse number seven. Now, last week I, I read this verse with Trinity and, and said, what do you see about this verse that was really cool? And, and her answer was, well, that I can ask for anything. Well, let me read it together with you. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, Tim Keller says about verse seven, he, he says this, that this is not a promise to just ask for anything at all, but to ask for the fruit that a branch is supposed to produce when it abides in the vine. So if you don't have patience, abide in Christ and ask for it. Like, that makes so much sense. Like I can have anything I ask for. I can have any of the fruit that God desires me to bear. I just abide and then I ask because he wants that fruit to be, he wants me to be bearing that fruit because it brings glory to God. So if I don't see the fruit that I desire in my life as I look through the fruits of the Spirit, I continue to abide and then I ask. And then finally, the last thing that we would do is we accept. Accept, receive more of the divine nature. Receive more of Jesus. We said just a few minutes ago, we said that um, spiritual activity does not actually produce spiritual fruit. And that's true. Spiritual activity does not equal spiritual fruit. But spiritual activity or spiritual disciplines, they do play a very important role in your life. They're, they, they're in place to help us receive better. Not, not to be better, but to receive better. You see, reading my Bible is very important, not because it makes me a better person, but because as I look into the Bible, I see more of Jesus. And as I see more of Jesus, I see how much he loves me and his divine nature becomes a part of the branch. I, I begin to see more of his love and more of his forgiveness. I see more of his grace and more of his mercy and more of how he loved people. And that verse that was on the word abide was 2 Corinthians 3.18. What that verse says, I'm gonna read it together with you. Verse 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And we talked about this last summer as we, as we behold more of Jesus, we become more like Jesus. And so these spiritual disciplines in our life of reading the Bible is so important, not because it makes me a better person or more better than anyone else, but because it allows me to receive more of Jesus. As I go to God in prayer, I know his heart and I, I desire to abide in him. As, as I study the scriptures with others, my, my heart is opened more to who Jesus is as I see him revealed in the scriptures. And oh, it draws me closer to abide in him. 
You see, when Jesus said to his disciples, abide in me, like he wasn't saying go find some resources of discipleship that tell you how you can live a better Christian life. It was just more of me, more of me, more of me. And so I guess as we close today, I just want to ask you, let's just take time for a, for a short fruit inspection in our lives. If fruit displays the health and nature, but we already know that Jesus is the vine, he's perfectly healthy and has the perfect nature of God, then the question is, what about me? What's the fruit of my life? Is the fruit of my life the same nature as Jesus? If not, am I truly connected to the vine? Because if I'm abiding, fruit happens. But I'd encourage you, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone, if there's, there's any part of you that says, I have to do something to achieve my own salvation, oh man, I encourage you today, would you trust in Jesus alone to receive salvation from him? A branch that abides but then is the fruit of your life healthy? How's your relationship with Christ? How, how open are you to receiving more of Jesus? What spiritual disciplines are, well, maybe should we start in our life so that we can accept more of Jesus? And then what's the, how much of the fruit of the Spirit do you feel like you have? Do you feel like you're missing anything? Hey, Jesus isn't upset with you. He wants to continue to work in you so that as we bear fruit, we can glorify God. And so continue to abide. Let his words abide in you. Ask, ask anything in my name and you will receive it. And then accept. Allow more and more of the nature of Jesus to become a part of your life today. Thanks so much for joining us. In just a moment, I'll, I'll close in prayer. But I, I would love it if you would just take a moment of quietness at your own home. If you would just inspect the fruit, look out at those branches, and see the fruit that's being born in your life. Is it the nature and is it the health that God would want it to be?